faithful.
of the Lord today on this Christmas Eve. Thank you for being here. Wonderful. You want them to come? Um, you can, you can, they can stay up. This is our, our fun song. Some of you will know it. It's Christmas. You'll know part of those songs. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the Yeah. 
such a good job. All right, I think second and under are going with Miss Mallory, and uh, everybody else is staying in for family worship today, and uh, don't you wish you had one of these adults? <laughs> I said I'd grab one. I may use that for my amen light this morning. If you promise to use one, we probably can let you have one too. We welcome you today. So glad you could be here. I know we have many that are in town for the holidays, and uh, we're so glad that you decided to make this a part of your celebration in this Christmas season to join us for this special service today here on Christmas Eve. Time to enjoy being together. You can get your picture made afterward today over there in that foyer. Justin, Geraldine, they'll be there, and they can help you, and you can get a family picture, and Get the day started right. Pictures, pictures, and more pictures. So be sure and avail yourself to that. <clears throat> Any other items of interest in your bulletin, be sure and uh, keep up with all of those things. Those that have joined us by Facebook Live and KTHS, we welcome you this morning. This is a time that we are Coming together to recognize, I think, the most important reason for the season, and we're going to celebrate in search of wisdom today. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving those that have sent it in through the mail or online and receptacles here at the church. Well, there were three wise men that's often talked about. Does anyone remember what they brought as gifts to give to Jesus? <laughs> Go frankincense and myrrh. Well, today I want to talk about <clears throat> something of the Christmas story that, to be quite honest with you, and over 50 years of doing this, I've never preached on at Christmas. And that's the three wise women. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Now, what did that mean? <laughs> you know, they're often overlooked in this story, truthfully. But they're an integral part of the story. One of them was married, one was single, and the other was widowed. Their names were Elizabeth, Mary, and Anna. The thing I want to note with you this morning is that each of these women faced major obstacles in her life. Elizabeth faced great disappointment. She was old, unable to bear a child, 
She'd been childless her entire life, and it was a huge disappointment. Mary had to face a major change. She found that she was pregnant and still single. How was she going to explain that? Anna had lost the love of her life. Her husband, just a few years into their marriage, had died, and she had to deal with that loss. These three wise women had to deal with disappointment, change, and loss. You know, as you stop to think about life today, we have to deal with disappointment, change, and loss. The good news is they all overcame their challenges because they were wise, is what I want to propose to you this morning. Elizabeth overcame resentment and bitterness. Mary overcame her fears. And Anna overcame her grief because they all made wise decisions. Now, I have a question for you. How do you know when someone is wise? How do you really know that? Well, you look at the decisions they make. Wise people make wise decisions. Foolish people make foolish decisions. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, king of Israel, God gave him wisdom. God had said to him, I'll give you anything you ask for. And I think it's interesting to note that Solomon did not ask for money, for fame, or comfort. He said, God, I want you to make me the wisest man in the world. 1 Kings 3.28, the people saw that Solomon had God's wisdom by the decisions he made. So let's talk about this first wise woman, Elizabeth. Her story is found in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. When Herod was the king of Judah, was a priest named Zechariah, and his wife named Elizabeth. Both Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous and godly people. Their lives pleased God because they always did everything God commanded, and they lived with a clear conscience before God. They had no children because Elizabeth had been unable to conceive, and now they were both too old. Now, we know that Elizabeth was very strong, mature, godly woman. You could say that she was a woman of God. Verse 6 says, her life pleased God. I suppose that would be one of the highest accomplishments that anyone could ever give a person is that they pleased God. The Bible says she was righteous despite all of that. We learned that she carried a lifelong heartache. Verse 7 says she had no children. Some of you can identify with that. That was her heartbreak. That would have been difficult in that day, especially since Elizabeth was known as one pleasing God. She did everything right. She was a woman of integrity. But she had prayed her greatest prayer, and it had not been answered. Do you know how easy it it would have been for Elizabeth to have become bitter and resentful against God? 
She could have said, God, I've served you my entire life. I've done everything I know to do. I've tried to do the right thing all the time. You have always been there, but you haven't answered my prayer. I want a baby. I'm old now, and it would be almost impossible. See, the truth of the matter, in circumstances like that, you either trust God or you get mad at God. I don't know about you, but I've been in both places. Elizabeth, in her wisdom, however, did not get mad. I'd like to make a point here, and that is this. God does not guarantee you a hurt-free life. God has never said that everything would happen the way you want it, even though you become a believer. Why? I think a very simple answer to that question, and by the way, I think it's a good question. But I think the answer would be, this is not heaven, so don't expect heaven here on earth. In heaven, there's no sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, no problems, no pressure, no pain, no tears, no grief, no loss. None of these things are in heaven. But that's not where we're living right now. You live here on earth where a lot of things are broken. Nothing works perfectly on this planet. Not the weather, the economy, your relationships, your body. All of it is imperfect and sometimes broken. Jesus said, even in this world, you will have trouble. Doesn't say you might or even that you probably will. It says you will have trouble. So that ought to bring us to a place that's hard to get to, but it is a place, I think, of wisdom. When we come to understand that we will have trouble, then let's not be surprised when trouble comes our way. The Scripture here in Luke chapter 1, verses 8, one day Zechariah was chosen to enter the temple of God to burn the incense. He was a priest. And while he was doing that, a large crowd of worshipers stood outside the temple praying. But inside the temple, an angel appeared to Zacharias, standing at the right side of the incense altar. And when Zacharias saw the angel, he was startled. He was overwhelmed with fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your persistent prayers have been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will finally conceive. She'll bear you a son, and you are to name him John. Now, that ought to have been some pretty exciting news for Zechariah. Notice, your persistent prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will finally conceive. 
And Scripture went on and said, she will bear you a son, and you're to name him John. Zechariah asked the angel, how am I going to know that what you're saying is true? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years too. Now, I want to share another little side note with you. Notice that Zechariah was smart enough not to say his wife was old. He said she's well along in years. Guys, that behooves us to pay attention. And everybody said, Hallelujah. <laughs> and the angel replied, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and God has sent me to tell you this good news. But because you've doubted my words, you're going to be struck silent and unable to speak any words until the day that Elizabeth delivers her baby. Baby. But every word that I've told you will happen at just the right time. Zechariah was inside lighting incense, the people waiting outside, wondering what's taking him so long. When he did come out, they knew that he had had a supernatural experience because he couldn't talk. Remember, the angel said, your persistent prayers have been heard means that Elizabeth and her husband never stopped praying. We encourage you today, don't stop praying, church. Even in her pain and her disappointment and getting older and older, Elizabeth never stopped praying. Gabriel, who gave the instructions from God, said every word that he had told Zachariah would happen at just the right time. You see, Elizabeth kept praying because she knew that God's timing is always perfect. Though she did not understand why her prayer had not been answered, she did not stop doing what she knew to do as a woman of wisdom. What happened? She became pregnant. But for five months, she didn't leave the house. You ever wonder why? Well, she was kind of up in years. She wasn't old. She was just up in years. She finds out she's pregnant. She didn't want to miscarry. She didn't want to get up, go out, stir around. She just wanted to play it safe. She said that the Lord did this for her and that because of it, it would take away her pain and her shame. See, she gave God all the credit. If you're a woman without a baby then, in that time it was shameful. It was embarrassing. The worth of a woman was often determined by the number of children she had. If you had no children, you weren't worth much, according to that culture at that time. Verse 57, when Elizabeth gave birth to her son, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had blessed her, and her whole world changed. Eight days after all the relatives and family members came to the circumcision, they were going to name the baby there. They were declaring, as usual, that the baby should be named after his father, Zechariah. You know, people have always been getting other people's business. 
See, I'm just preparing you for Christmas dinner. Get it all out of your system now. No, you ought to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth speaks up and she says, no, he's going to be called John. Oh, they objected. They got friends just like you and I, haven't they? They said, wait a minute, Elizabeth, you don't have any relatives with that name. So they asked Zachariah. Well, that's a fine thing to ask a guy that can't talk. So he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Why? Because that's what the angel told him to name him. The minute that Zechariah wrote that, he received his voice. Talk about a celebration. I would say that happened, wouldn't you? Elizabeth had a tremendous birth. Zechariah got his voice back, and the story filled the entire community. See, there's something else in this story that we need to remember. God's timing is always perfect. For her son, John, later called John the Baptist, being the forerunner of Jesus, he needed to be born within a few months of the Messiah. And that's exactly what happened. May I suggest to you that a delay is not a denial. We need to realize that in our lives. Today, church, that a delay is not a denial. The difference between a wise person and a foolish one and the difference between a mature person and an immature person is that they understand that a delay is not a denial. Maybe you've been waiting for something to happen in your life, for something to come to pass. Your patience is getting very thin and very slim. When God's answer is not immediate, as we think it should be, just maybe it's because He has something bigger and better planned for you. But you have to be patient. Elizabeth was blessed because she chose to trust God's plan instead of being bitter. You see, a wise person <clears throat> trusts God's plan and timing even when it doesn't make sense. I want to be a wise person, don't you? <clears throat> Number two, Kent's coming to read this story for us this morning. Mary faced a great change. I'm not going to call dad an old man. I'm afraid I'd lose my voice too, so <laughs> just in case. Luke 1, through 56 in your Bible, if you want to follow along. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a young virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Her name was Mary. Now the angel said, Greetings, God has chosen you for a special blessing, and he is with you. But Mary was frightened and confused. The angel said, Don't be frightened, Mary, for God has decided to bless you in a wonderful way. You're going to have a baby, and he will be a boy. You're going to name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And God will give him David, King David's throne 
but his kingdom is going to last forever and never end. How can this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin, I've never known a man. The angel said, God's spirit will come over you and his power will overshadow you. So the holy child that you carry will be called the son of God. For right now, your own relative Elizabeth is about to have a baby, even in her old age, because nothing is impossible with God. He can do anything. Then Mary answered, well, I am the Lord's servant, and I accept whatever he plans for me. May it happen just as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. There you go. Sorry, they're a little slow, Dad. You'll have to work with him on that. Maybe I, uh, yeah, I'll just... Okay, you want to take this and finish? Wait. <laughs> Wisdom. The wise. That's the story. But let's put it in a little bit of context this morning. In those days, couples married very young. Mary was about 15 or 16, and she heard the news she was pregnant. Scripture indicated she was filled with fear. <clears throat> Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't you be? An angel shows up and tells you that you're going to be pregnant and the daddy for, of the baby was going to be God? It's a little far-fetched. I've heard some mighty big stories in my lifetime. But that would probably scare anybody. She was fearful of criticism. How are you going to go tell your mom, I'm pregnant and Joseph's not the daddy? I'm carrying the Son of God. How easy is that to believe? She had to go to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, I love being engaged to you, but I want you to know I'm pregnant and I had a Holy Spirit encounter. I'm really not endeavoring to make light. I'm giving you what is reality. Our Scripture said, when she heard the news, she went over to the town where Elizabeth and Zechariah were. 
Why? Probably because she didn't want to explain to everybody what was going on. She had a fear of the supernatural, and the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come over you and overshadow you. What's that going to do? She had a fear of inadequacy. How, how am I chosen? I'm not educated. I have no position. I'm just a simple girl from a tiny village. It was a total and complete change for her. It was a massive change. It was frightening. But Mary was very wise. The angel says in verse 37, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. She had to pause and think, I believe that. I've lived that. That is my faith. So Mary speaks in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. I accept whatever he plans for me. May it be according to your word. That's why she was a wise woman. That's why you will be a wise woman if you do what the Word says. She surrendered to the will of God. See, each of us, we need to really ask ourselves, if we've surrendered to the will of God. Notice I didn't say our will, our preference, our plan, the will of God. Do you remember? The importance of understanding that surrender to the will of God, <clears throat> that those things that are easy and routine are often a challenge. So do we surrender to the will of God? Absolutely, with no questions asked. That's a decision we have to make. She was like David who said in Psalms 40, I desire to do your will, oh my God. I desire to do your will, not mine. Mary was also a woman of the Word. She knew the book. She'd memorize it. She knew the book backwards and forwards, and she could identify what it said. In Luke 2, 19, Mary quietly treasured these things, all that God told her in her heart, and she often thought about them. It's no wonder that God chose her to carry his son. She chose to believe God's word instead of her fears. Provokes the question to us, what are we believing? What are we believing? Are we believing in our fears and anxieties and worries, or are we believing that what God says he will do? Are we standing on His Word and proclaiming those promises? If we are, we will make wise decisions. Number three, Anna. She faced a great loss. It's in the second chapter, verse 22. After the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary took the baby to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him to God. What they were doing was following an Old Testament law in Exodus 13, 2. Every firstborn boy is to be dedicated back to God. It was an old man named Simeon. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Living in Jerusalem, who was very righteous, he loved God deeply. God had promised Simeon that he would not die until he'd seen the promised Savior of the world with his own eyes. 
On that day, Mary and Joseph arrived in Jerusalem. God's Spirit prompted Zechariah to go out and wait in the temple courts. It's important to know that when God prompts us through the urging of the Holy Spirit, we are to act immediately. Far too many people have missed some of the best blessings from the Lord because they were not obedient to the urging of the Holy Spirit. They missed being obedient to his promptings. Mary and Joseph went into the temple, and in verse 28, Simeon took the baby in his arms, and he thanked God loudly, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace. As you promised me, I've now seen the Savior that you've given to all people. He is the light you have sent to the world to reveal yourself to all people. Mary and Joseph stood there speechless as they were amazed at what was being said about baby Jesus. And in verse 36 of chapter 2, that day there was a woman named Anna worshiping in the temple. She was a prophetess. She was very old. She'd been a widow most of her life because her husband had died after being married only seven years. As a young bride, she lost the love of her life. Anna was now 84 years old, and so she'd spent over 75 years alone. Since she had no family, she never left the temple courtyard. She stayed there day and night worshiping God with her prayers and her fastings. Anna could have been miserable, constantly filled with grief, but she took her life and her loss and committed it to serving God. Interesting. Every day she was at the temple courtyard praying, fasting. Every person she came in contact with during those 75 years, they knew who Anna was. She had one message, and that was to worship God. Scripture said just as Simeon was dedicating the baby to God, Anna walked by, and she paused to listen, then joined in praying for the baby, and she thanked God for sending a Savior. That resonated through the Spirit of God to Anna, and she talked about Jesus to everyone she met. She decided and chose to focus on God's presence. She said, though I've lost the love of my life, I will not have a wasted life. I will worship the one who sent me for redemption. And she shared the good news. <clears throat> now, we remember these three wise women who each had a heartache. Elizabeth, married woman, unable to have a child. Mary, a single woman with pregnancy that she couldn't explain to anybody. And Anna, a widow who spent most of her life without family and no relatives. They each could have been resentful. They each could have been living in fear and grief. And those things could have been the driving forces of their lives. But they were wise, and they made decisions to trust God and not wallow in their circumstances. This Christmas season, many people are encumbered with fear and grief and loneliness and anxiety. But you know, the truth of the matter is we have a message. That message is Jesus is the reason for the season. He is the Redeemer. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And we shall rejoice in Him who is all in all. So when we say Merry Christmas, 
say it knowing the promise that is in our hearts of what it means. Worship team's coming back. We're going to worship. The first number that they're doing, it's in that time, if you have not committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that I want to give you an opportunity to say this is the day to make a public profession of my faith. Say, Pastor, why? Because the nuns, nuns, those that are not proclaiming anything are increasing, but we are also seeing the kingdom of God increase tremendously in these days. There is a move of God, and we want people to have opportunity to say, this is my day, this is my time, this is my decision. If you want to make that decision today, I will be at the front, I will pray with you, and I will believe with you, and this can be your day of accepting that Jesus as your personal Savior. After that, they'll be singing some more. Kent will be coming and will be leading us in communion. We will have an opportunity to come and receive your elements as you are directed. And we today, in remembrance of him, will celebrate together the real reason of the season.
Amen. As we're about to partake of communion, a reminder that our church welcomes anyone who is a believer in Jesus to participate in communion. You do not have to be a member of our church. You just have to be a member of the church at large, which means that you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And if you did not accept Christ as Savior during that last song, you can still, right now, the Bible says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. That's the only requirement to participate in communion, is to have a relationship with Jesus, to recognize that in this time and this season, we're celebrating Christ's birth, but the reason we're celebrating his birth is because he was born and he came to die. And his, he didn't stay dead because he didn't die for his sins. He was without sin. He died for our sins so that we could have a right relationship with God. And he rose from death. That's what a relationship with Jesus starts like. And one of the things that we do is we remember his birth. We also remember his death. So during this next song, I'd ask the elder board to come up and we'll distribute the elements. And again, if you have a relationship with Jesus, we invite you to participate in communion today. We'll all take it together. So once everybody comes up, just hold those back and we'll give instructions after that time. So please come up with you, your families, get the elements.
When Jesus was born, I don't know if you've been around a little baby. They're so delicate. It's so beautiful. It reminds me of that song, Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. You know, I love this sermon of three wise women. That's really good, Dan. You're, you're not getting that old. You're, you're looking good. That's sharp. I've never thought of, heard, heard of that before. But I, you know, each of these women, they rejoiced in that moment with that child. And we got to see their vantage point today of how that felt in spite of that. But in these moments as we're about to take communion, I'd like us to think about God the Father looking down on his son that night. Because he didn't see a little baby. He saw the Savior of the world. He saw not a baby who was just wrapped in swaddling cloths. He saw that his son would eventually die on the cross for our sins and be wrapped up. That's the moment he saw. He saw his son broken for us. So as we prepare to take the bread, it's right on top there. Let's remember what God the Father saw on this day. He didn't see a baby. He saw his son who would be broken for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for our sins. We know he came to die so that we could all have everlasting life. And we are so thankful that you gave him to us. Thank you for his body broken for us so that this body can serve you. You know, the first time we had these communion elements that were together, a little girl came up to me and she said, Jesus' blood needs a little more sugar. <laughs> we talked for a little bit about what communion meant at that time. But kids have the most unique insight into Christ's story. How sweet it is to be loved by Christ. Amen. That he tasted the bitterness of death so that you and I could have life. That he poured out his blood for us so that we would be covered over and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. How sweet it is to be loved by Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blood poured out for us through Jesus. We ask God that in these holy moments that you would help us to pour out our lives for you. Just as he poured out his blood on the cross for us, God, that we would pour out our lives for each other. And as we walk, Lord, we give thanks for the new covenant that you have made a way for us. And even though we have trouble in this world, we know that you've sent your spirit to comfort us, and we know that you overcame the world. We put our faith, we put our trust in you. Thank you for loving us. And now the cup. The cup holders are in front of you. Let's worship the Lord.
a season of truly worshiping him as we celebrate together with family and friends. Again, thank you for your attendance today. Thank you, Children's Church, for coming in and joining us in family worship today and for this time that we have spent together. Special thank you. Let's have a hand for all those that brought in poinsettias in memory of family. Beautiful. If you would like to have your poinsettia to take for a family celebration today, you're welcome to take it. 
And uh, we appreciate you bringing it in, remembering your family. If not, we will have them here another Sunday for sure. But what a wonderful day it has been to worship together. Merry Christmas. Lord, may your richness be upon each one. May your guidance, your strength, and especially your wisdom be ours. May we call upon you. May our spirit be sensitive to your voice. And may we receive from you divine wisdom, healing. And for those that have not received you, salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. God love you. You have a great week in the Lord.